will now turn to our confession, God's word as we confess it in Lord's Day 26 of the Harbour Catechism. After having heard the proclamation of God's word, we will show our thankfulness by singing together Psalm 12, stanza 4. Lord's Day 26, where we confess, how does baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's from the passage we read, Matthew 28, verse 19. And also whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Another passage we read this afternoon, Mark 16, verse 16. The promise is repeated where the scripture calls baptism the washing of rebirth and the washing away of sins. And note, again, the reference to Titus 3, verse 5, also from this we have read this afternoon. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the previous Lord's Day, we have maintained from God's word in the context of Christ Jesus doing everything for our salvation and us being in the impossible situation of adding anything to it, it is all his work. He gives us everything necessary, including our faith. Therefore, the question had arisen, where does this faith come from? And it was pointed out last week that it does not come just in an automatic way. Indeed, the Holy Spirit gives it, but he uses instruments or tools to give it to us. The first, and we may even say primary tool, is the preaching of the gospel. But also, secondly, the use of the sacraments. It is in that context that we now pay particular attention to the sacraments, and the first one of these two, which is baptism. The question, therefore, is understandable. How does this work with baptism? How does baptism signify and seal to you the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross? 
Notice that the answer focuses our attention on what Christ has done. He instituted this outward washing. Notice also in question and answer 71, attention is given again to this institution of baptism. That is why this becomes the first point that we look at this afternoon. However, baptism is more than just simply an institution that Christ has given. But it also has an impact on our daily life, does it not? As a matter of fact, we already looked at it a few moments ago, how in question and answer 65, the expression is used that we use the sacrament. So the question of how do we use baptism? Or in other words, how does it function among us in our daily life? And that becomes our second point. And the third place, the permanence of baptism. Even though not directly mentioned here, it's very important to recognize that there's something very permanent about baptism as well. Therefore, we may hear God's word as we confess it in this Lord's day and sum it up in this way. By baptism, the Lord gives you the sign and seal of his promises. First, your attention is given to the institution of baptism. Secondly, the meaning or the function of baptism. And the third place, the permanence of baptism. Baptism is a sign. That's easy to understand as well. When a person is baptized, we use water, water is sprinkled. And it can be pointed out that the sprinkling signifies a washing. That's what the word baptism itself means, too. A washing away of sin. That's what it represents. Of course, it is not the washing away of sin itself. Christ did that. But it clearly shows that what Christ has done for you. When you are baptized, that sign is given directly to you, to your children. You, by name, are being baptized. Good sign, you might say. But it's more than a sign, isn't it? It's also a seal, a confirmation. A seal could be like a signature on the bottom of a check. Or perhaps we think of a seal like on a diploma, a blob of wax with a particular indentation. The seal confirms that something is authentic. It is real. When applying this word to baptism, you might wonder, well, just how is baptism a seal? Not only a sign, but also a confirmation of the Lord's promise, my sins are really forgiven. When the catechism answers by reflecting on the institution, point is this, the disciples or apostles did not think of this kind of ceremony on their own. 
It was by the specific instruction, as we have read in Matthew 28 and also Mark 16, that the Lord Jesus, after he had completed all his work and had risen from the dead, he gave to them. He said, you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in this way. First, can be stressed that these are the words of Christ Jesus, our Redeemer and Savior. It proves that he was here. It proves that he has spoken these words. Proves that this instruction has been given. Moreover, keep in mind as well that in the past, the Lord had also spoken to his people through his servants. When he spoke through his servants, of course, the word spoken through them was to be seriously taken and understood. Think, for example, of Moses. In Moses' days, the people had become afraid of the Lord, especially after Mount Sinai. They pleaded with Moses, Moses, you speak on our behalf, and you speak. We will listen to you. The Lord spoke through Moses. He gave Moses specific instruction. Moses, you say this. Moses, you do this. Moses was under obligation to speak those words and do it, wasn't he? You might therefore say that even though it was indirectly, it was the Lord speaking among his people. Was that not also true when speaking about the priests that served in the tabernacle and the temple? When they served there in the tabernacle and the temple and the Lord gave instruction concerning the sacrifices that were to be brought. For example, there were certain circumstances and sins that had been committed and the Lord says you must bring that kind of sacrifice now. When the sacrifice had been brought to the temple and the priest had presented it to the Lord, he could come back out of the tabernacle temple with the comforting message, your sins are forgiven. It's not just simply his words. It's what were spoken as a servant of God. Well, think again of the comparison to a blob of wax on diploma, or perhaps even a signature on a, a bill, a note, a monetary note. The king or queen did not sign them off. And you may be sure that the principal or the teacher at school did not specifically put this blob of wax on every single diploma, pen ever got. In the past, there were also kings who wore a signet ring, and at times, he would entrust his servant with that signet ring, and whenever that signet sign appeared, it was really a kingly decree. That's the point here as well. 
the Lord makes those kind of decrees through his servants. If you look at the Belgian Confession, Article 34, it is specifically mentioned that it is the ministers of the word who administer baptism. The Lord gave this instruction to his disciples, whom he, at that moment, Matthew 28, had ordained to become his apostles, his messengers and servants. They were his spokesmen, his office bearers, you might say, today. And that really is the point, isn't it? The Lord directs his servants to baptize those that believe and his children. Therefore, it is really authentic. We are speaking here about baptism, which differs from the sacrifices, and even though a certain comparison can be made because it's declaration of forgiveness of some sins. In the letter to the Colossians, we are told how the Lord had gathered his people together as his own and confirmed, Colossians chapter 2, that they really belong to him by circumcision. They are his chosen nation, his people. That is applied to baptism today. So we can speak about baptism as a continuation of circumcision in that way, that it is a confirmation, you are really my children, you belong to me, to the Lord God. It is a confirmation, a real seal, it is truth. We therefore must be careful that baptism is administered properly. Properly, not just done by anyone at home. Minister of the word and ordained office bearer administering this gift and blessing that the Lord has given to you. Saying that, also important and helpful to understand, this does not necessarily mean that every servant of the Lord is faithful. The validity of baptism does not depend on the faithfulness of the man administering it. It's like an unfaithful Protestant priest who cast you out. But the Lord's word was still spoken through them. And it is the Lord himself who stands behind his word. Just like the signature on the money, the bill, the note, $10 bill, $20 bill. It is guaranteed by the authorities. Even though the signature itself is just put on there by way of print printing one after another. The person whose signature appears might not even be alive anymore and certainly did not sign all these notes, him or herself. But the validity depends on the one who has directed those that have put it there. The authorities. 
It is in the authority of Christ that baptism is to be administered. And administered in such a beautiful and wonderful way. For when speaking about his institution, we should not overlook that either. How the Lord in his great mercy grants that we may be pronounced as those who have been washed in the blood of Christ, now being children of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Beautifully formed up, summed up in the form for baptism. God the Father having made a covenant with us, God the Son having washed our sins away, God the Holy Spirit washes away our sinful inclinations so that we may live more and more as his people. Hopefully you understand the significance and importance of baptism. Indeed, it is not as that baptism itself saves us. It is a declaration that the Lord God has made. And he makes it for you, made it here. That when the Lord has made and given that declaration, it is really true. You are really his children. You belong to him. Do not confuse this with eternal election either. For in the context of speaking about baptism, we are speaking about how the Lord holds us accountable as people. Must give account to the Lord. Baptism is very real. The Lord has chosen some to be saved and others he leaves to perish in their iniquity. Eternal election is something different. It's God's eternal decree which remains hidden from us. It belongs to his secret will as we read the Testament. But the Lord calls us to obedience. The Lord grants us the blessing to be his children. Consider the children of Israel in the past. Were there not many who received the mark of really belonging among God's people, all the Israelites, who proved to be unfaithful and turned away from the Lord? Really sad thing. But this gives rise to our second point. And it's important. What do we do with our baptism? There the Lord has said to you, you belong to me. I take you as my own possession. Do you live as one of his children? If you have a banknote or if you have a ticket to a concert, a genuine ticket to the concert, but you never enter the concert hall. Well, it's a used wear ticket. If you have a banknote and you never use it, it's genuine. But if you never use it, what is its use? Why bother with it? It's not sad. It happens so often. People are baptized. It becomes like a custom, or maybe even some kind of superstition, as we are warned of in the question in the form for baptism. 
a custom or a superstition, but yes, that's hard. Maybe just a bit of a safeguard. Just be safe. That you never lose it. Well, how do you use that vision? Use it when there are doubts and questions in your heart and mind. And who among us does not at times have questions or doubts? Am I really one of the Lord's children? Am I really good enough? Will the Lord still look upon me as his own? Because I've done this and I've done that. And Oh, I've done that too. Our sins start adding up and our doubts and questions add up as well. That's really the point of baptism. For as these doubts and questions begin to multiply, we may insist, Lord, I am one of yours. You have confirmed it. You have said it through your official servant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Consider again Israel in the past. It's easier to speak about them as one whole nation. Could any of those that lived there and were circumcised question? Do I really belong among this assembly that is taken out of Egypt? Yes or no? Of course they did. And if there's any question, look at your circumcision. You've been circumcised on the eighth day. Yes, most of us were blessed with believing parents. Most of us have been baptized when we were children and didn't even know that it happened. But we do know that it happened. Our parents instructed us. And we also have our children baptized. Throughout the generations, the Lord grants that this blessing may be perpetuated. And therefore, there may be no doubt. Yes, you belong among God's people. You are his children, his covenant children. Therefore, live as his covenant children. It is in this context that the catechism also makes reference not only to Matthew and Mark, but also to Titus. Even though in Titus we do not read directly about baptism as such, we are told of how we are being cleansed by the Lord. We belong to the assembly of those who are being cleansed. And therefore, be that what the Lord has made you. Just like the Lord says elsewhere, be holy, for you are holy. You are a holy people. Be that what you are. Live what you are. Living what you are. Of course, you will not neglect the assembly of God's people. In living who you are, you will show it in your devotions at home, prayer, reading God's word, turning to him again and again. And you may even preach on the basis of being God's people. Think of how Moses pled for the children of the Lord when they had become wayward. Lord, remember what you have all done. 
What will the heathen say if this nation, this people in the desert perishes here? Will that not become a mockery of your name, of your reputation? You are God's people. You have his mark on your forehead. You've been baptized. And therefore, be really what you are, living children of the Lord God. Living children of the Lord God. Yes, it does happen at times. It's very sad. But there are those that neglect this great blessing. Those that neglect it may be reminded of it when they go to the places of heathen gods, when they go to the places of worldly amusement. They may be questioned, what are you as one of the Lord's children doing there? Say, for example, in the context of celebrating the Lord's Supper, more attention is given to that later in the catechism. But we think of how in 1 Corinthians 10, we are told that we cannot eat from the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. You are God's children. And therefore, be what you are. We may compare that context, baptism, like the branding of sheep done in the past before they were tempted right. Proving that you really belong to the flock of Christ. That comparison may be more helpful, especially in the New Testament age where the Lord is busy gathering his sheep together in many places of this world. But you are really his. You belong to him. You who at one time were estranged have now been drawn near, says the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. You are now fellow citizens of his kingdom. That is what baptism means, and therefore use it, beloved. Use it. Do not just live as if it makes no difference. It certainly does. You are God's children. The promise of forgiveness and eternal life has been sealed to you. Embrace it with much thankfulness. And emphasizing how we are to use it. In the third place, some attention is given also to its permanence. Or it might be suggested or thought that if I stray away, it's lost, it's gone. The Lord does not keep that way. Also, in this context, that baptism is not to be redone. It's for life. The Lord compares his, the unity of his people, Christ and his church, to marriage. Marriage is not to be broken. In Ephesians 5, that comparison is made, and by making that comparison, it is emphasized, but I'm speaking of Christ and the church. You are permanently the Lord's children. You have that seal. But sometimes naughty children leave the house. They turn their back to their parents. It may also be suggested that those who turn away from the Lord 
I never come to repentance. Lord warns that the punishment will be the greatest. So he punished Adam, those that have sinned against God. Those who have this promise confirmed to them, but did not use it. We do not need to speak much about them because, beloved, being gathered here together as his people and Christ's flock, we may emphasize that if it does happen, and the Lord forbid it, that you too stray or a loved one strays away. You continually may address them and address yourself, but this is where I really belong. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. When he was under stress, then he remembered his father's house and how good he had been. He knew that that was where he belonged. In the past, every Israelite knew where he belonged. He belonged in Israel among God's people. Even though some wandered away, very far away. And it happens still today to speak of the Lord's flock. That there are those that wander away into a wayward way. But they are still sheep. They still have the mark of sheep. Parents may cry out to the Lord for the wayward son or daughter. Lord, remember the sign and seal you've given them. They may also address their children in this way, and we may address one another that way too. But you have been baptized. Remember who you are. Know where you actually belong. And return to the flock. Come back there again. It's in this way that baptism is to function, beloved. As we confess in Lord's Day 30, in Article 33 of the Belgian Confession, the Lord has added the sacraments for the strengthening of our faith, so that when it is weak, we are called back again and again. Lord, in His great mercy, has given baptism for that purpose. Understand well, it is not just some kind of nice ceremony instituted by men. It is ceremony instituted by Christ himself for your strengthening, for your salvation. The Lord, by instituting it, shows his great love for you, his people, and for your children. Use it, therefore, diligently. And understand well, too, that nothing can wipe out this great privilege with which you have been blessed. Therefore, hold on to it all the time. And look forward to the future that you may have that Christ, that Redeemer. Amen.
Father who art in heaven, we thank you.